Hey, kia ora St. Luke's. Uh, lovely to have you join in us today via the live stream. Um, COVID's doing the thing that COVID does. And COVID's doing the thing that COVID does everywhere. So uh, it's made it a little bit tricky for us to get together this Sunday. But we have these other options and we're able to do the live stream coming to you from the living room, um, which you've come to be so familiar with over the years. But uh, here we are and it's a delight to have you tuned in this morning. Uh, of course, there'll be some of you watching it later on today. Fantastic. Thanks for coming by. Let me begin in prayer. Eternal God, you revealed to the disciples the everlasting glory of Jesus Christ. Grant us who have not seen and yet believe the gift of your Holy Spirit, that we may boldly live the gospel and shine with your transforming glory as people changed and changing through the redeeming presence of our Savior. Amen. Amen. As people changed and changing through the redeeming presence of our Savior. Indeed, Lord, let this be a season that doesn't simply reveal who we are, but invites us into a journey of transformation to become the people you've called us to be. We pray in your name. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Matthew 8, verse 25 to 26. I've been in and out of this uh, story the last few weeks, uh, Jesus and the disciples on the lake in the storm. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Jesus has spoken of little faith before. Uh, a couple of chapters earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 30. Uh, Jesus is challenging those that would follow him that they can't serve both God and money. This is what he says. He says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Jesus carries on his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount throughout uh, chapter 6 and chapter 7. Uh, at the end of chapter 7, he comes down off the mountain and the crowds the crowds begin to murmur, begin to talk with one another. They're pretty impressed. They, they describe Jesus as being one who teaches with authority. In Matthew 8, we have four healings that happen. Uh, there's a man with leprosy that he is healed. The centurion's servant is healed. Uh, Peter's mother-in-law is healed. And then there's a fourth account where there are many healings that take place under the ministry of Jesus. This is an impressive and exciting moment for the disciples. There's there's this, this one that teaches with authority. There's this one that performs miracles and sees people healed. Nevertheless, there's some challenges in following Christ. And the next thing that happens in this, in this trajectory of the story in Matthew is that some disciples turn away. One, because uh, Jesus warns them that there's, there's no place for the Son of Man to rest his head. Uh, his journey, his, his traveling, as, uh, his ministry is going to be one where it's not full of the security that perhaps they're looking for. Uh, another one says, uh, let me just uh, bury my father. 
And then, and then I'll come with you. And Jesus says, no, let the dead bury the dead. And what's happening in that story is not so much that the father's died, but the son is saying, let me fulfill my duties to uh, my family that I have. And when they're all kind of done and dusted in the years that come, when my dad's died and I'm free to make my own choices, then I'll come and follow you. And Jesus says, no, no, now's the time to turn to a new way of life. And, and disciples left at that. It was challenging. Uh, in the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 18, we've got the story of the rich young ruler, another disciple that was seeking to follow Jesus. But in that instance, uh, he had so many riches. And Jesus says, look, you, you need to lay them aside and come follow me. But uh, he went away despondent because that was too challenging for him. Then what happens is uh, the disciples that are faithful to Jesus. Well, Jesus hops in the boat and uh, they, they hop in the boat with him. They've kind of had this amazing experience I uh, heard this teaching, seen these healings, some have turned away, but these are the faithful ones. These are the ones that are going to stick with Jesus no matter what. And they hop in the boat with Jesus to head across the lake. But then it gets stormy. I think this little sequence of events is not too different to our own experiences in life. Uh, we hear the words of Jesus we, 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 in, in sermons and teaching and podcasts and reading scripture for ourselves and listening to worship. We, we hear the words of Jesus. We hear the words of scripture come alive in our hearts and they stir us and they inspire us and they challenge us to be the people that we're called to be. Uh, we encounter in Christ something, someone that we go, there, there's some authority there. We want to follow that. We want to walk in line with that. And uh, as our lives unfold, we begin to see some healing and some transformation and some good things happen along the way. It's like, man, following Jesus, this is transforming my life. Some turn away to the left, to the right. There's challenges, there's complications. But, you know, we've figured out how to remain faithful and to keep following Jesus. Uh, we hop in the boat with Jesus. We're going where Jesus is going. We've cast our lot with Christ. But then, of course, it gets stormy. You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? The writer of Hebrews, he says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. In the great disruption of this moment, the multifaceted complexity that we're navigating uh, all around the world with, with COVID, etc., etc. Now we've got, you know, we've got a war happening and with Russia invading Ukraine. I mean, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy. Have mercy. It's a... It's troubling times to be in. But in these times, I've been talking about healthy habits and holy habits. The need for Sabbath rest, for attentiveness to God and prayer and scripture and spiritual direction. Uh, we, we do this knowing that it's in Him that we live and move and have our being. We do this knowing that God is love and God extends to us infinite loving kindness. Uh, we do this knowing that the infinite loving kindness that God extends to us is redemptive love that seeks to make us whole and to restore and to put us back together. Uh, let me add to that this morning. A call to faith. God's disposition towards us is that of infinite loving kindness. Let our disposition towards God be that of faith and trust. We're to live with a posture, with an attitude, with a stance of faith. This need not be uh, impressive to look at. Childlike faith is fine. Faith is small as a mustard seed is fine. And yet our disposition is to be that of trust in God, to be of faith and, and belief in God. Faith nonetheless, small or big, faith nonetheless. What are we talking about when we talk about faith? Well, here's some things that we're not talking about. We're not talking about secular optimism. 
We're not talking about a cherry disposition. We're not talking about a positive confession that everything will be okay. Uh, we're not talking about a sentimental notion that while things are less than ideal at the moment, eventually they'll be all right. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that sort of mentality. Uh, we just shouldn't confuse that with faith. Secular positivity assumes salvation to be found in so many uh, areas, none of them being Christ though. Uh, the markets will bounce back. Science will discover something new. Intellect will pave a way for us. Policy will chart a new course. Reform or revolution will bring justice and order. Secular positivity looks for, uh, looks for salvation in all sorts of directions, but not Christ. So we shouldn't confuse that with faith. There's nothing wrong with secular uh, optimism. It just can easily become an idol. That which we trust and believe in, give allegiance to instead of Christ. It has its place, but it's not Christian faith. As well, we're not talking about some sort of religious optimism. An optimism that supposes God to be the great kind of director of our lives who will pluck us out of the storm at just the right moment. Uh, the challenge being that we've just got to find the right combination lock to get God going, to, to unlock the mystery and get God involved in our life. Religious optimism seeks the right kind of prayer or the right kind of confession or the right kind of offering. To unlock God and get God out of the toolbox is the great divine utility of our lives. So I'm not talking about secular optimism. I'm not talking about religious optimism. I'm talking about faith, not a technique. I'm talking about trust and belief, not the means by which we can leverage something. Just simple faith and trust and belief in the goodness of God. Jesus never says you have such little secular optimism. Trust your neighbor. Trust the markets to bounce back. Trust policy or trust revolution. Jesus never calls us to that. Nor does Jesus ever say that without religious optimism, without trust in spiritual techniques and strategies and seven days of this and 21 days of that and 40 days of this, without that, then it's impossible to please God. Jesus never says that. We're not called to technique. We're not called to methodology. We're not called to strategy. We're just called to faith. And trust and believe in God in all situations. Quite simply, faith is the entrusting of our lives to God. The entrusting of our lives to Christ. Trusting our very existence to the one in whom we live and move and have our being. It isn't about concealing or evading or escaping the crisis. It's about a disposition that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are there. It's a perspective shaped by the words of the prophet Isaiah. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, he who formed you, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, is your Savior. Faith's about the ability to embrace paradox. Like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They, they, their, their conviction, their belief was that God would save them from the fiery furnace. That God would save them from Nebuchadnezzar. And yet they say at the same time, but even if he does not, we will not bow down. That's a disposition of faith. It's a trust and a belief in God to save. It's 
a trust and a belief in God that should we not receive the salvation and the, the means, the method, the way that we picture it or imagine it to be. We still trust in God. Faith recognize, recognizes that it is in the valley of death, in the waters, in the fire, in the desert, in the wilderness, in the storm, in the season in which we are becalmed and stalled and anxious and disheveled and confused and upside down. Faith recognizes it's that in those seasons that God is reshaping and remolding and reforming us to be the people that we are called to be. So that's what the writer in Hebrews says. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is the entrusting of our lives, the entrusting of our deaths to God, the little deaths along the way and the big death as well. We entrust that to the infinite loving kindness of God. Pleases God when we do this. It, it pleases God that we would have faith and trust in Him. Uh, the first commandment is to have no other God. No, no, no gods before God, before Yahweh. No idols, nothing that gets in the way. No false messiahs. Faith is the entrusting our lives to Christ. It's not secular optimism. It's not religious optimism. It's faith. For God works all things together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to His purposes. Faith is intellectual assent to the story that we read in the Gospels. It's fidelity, embodied fidelity to this story, this example that we see in Christ, that we live that the way of Jesus faithfully in the world. But it's also existential trust. The entrusting of our very existence in all situations to God. Let us be people of faith in this season as well. Sabbath rest. Attentive to God in prayer and scripture. In spiritual direction. But with a disposition of faith that trusts God in all things. Doesn't have to be big. Little faith is all that's needed. Faith the size of a mustard seed. Lord, let us be people of faith, whose hearts are set on you, whose trust is in you, whose allegiance is to you in all things. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil. In little deaths and big deaths, may we be those who trust in you. For nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not heights, nor depths, not life, nor death. We trust you in all things, for you are making us the people that you have called us to be. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled, but as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It's in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it's in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Amen. So grace and peace to you, my brothers and sisters. Enjoy your Sunday. And don't forget that this is our year.